It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is Time Enough Podcast. Hello, welcome to Time Enough Podcast. It's the podcast where we take a deep look at the twilight zone and beyond. This is Matt here with me today is co-host of Mission Log, The Orville. Uh, she does a lot of improv and I believe has a uh, Twitch stream that people are bragging about. Hello, Jessica Lynn Verity. <laughs> Hello, thank you for having me. Yes, I'm quite the gaming streamer and improviser and 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 all those things you said. Although I'm 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 an old man, I don't understand what Twitch is. But one of my regular uh, podcast hosts has his own Twitch stream where he gets up at like five or in the morning or something because it's wow. Uh, he, he lives with me in Japan, but he does it for his uh, UK friends. So <laughs> it's yeah, Saturday so he, night. Yeah, he for has them. to he has to get the 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 peak hours for him. <laughs> yeah, I told you I was getting up at eight thirty in the morning. But when we have his uh, UK guests, uh, especially when it's daylight savings time, we're like we started like six a.m. podcasting, which is wow. That's dedication. Yeah, but the fun part is like I don't remember anything we said during the entire thing. So when it does go online, I'm like, oh, I don't remember anything about this conversation. So it's kind of fun in that way. So you get to just listen to it as a listener at that point. I, I get it. I'm at episode 30 of my personal podcast, You Don't Own Nick, and I go, I edit it myself too. And we talk about so much in one hour and a half span that I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe we talked about that. Like it's enjoyable to talk to to listen back on the things that we talk about. So I get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, today's Twilight Zone episode is The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. Um, like I mentioned when we were talking about this, I've had several people kind of like not quite take it because it's one of the more iconic ones. I see. So people are uh, uh, afraid of this one is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, maybe it's uh, too much bonk, bonk on the head. but uh, <laughs> Bonk, in, in bonk on the head. <laughs> yes. Oh, it, God. In, 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 a, in a good way. So um. <laughs> it's such a good episode. I am not intimidated by it. But yeah, let's I'm ready to get into it. OK, well, I'll start off with just a touch of trivia with the director and a few of the actors. We have uh, Ron Winston, who directed this episode, along with two later voyages into a Twilight Zone. He was a TV pro whose credits include Playhouse 90, several episodes of Hawaii Five-0, and the Big Lebowski's water subcheck would be happy to hear that Ron directed two episodes of the Western Branded. Winston left us quite young in 1973 at the age of 40. Hmm. Uh, Claude Atkins is Steve Brand. Atkins was a fellow Georgia boy. Uh, that's me being the other one. Gotcha. Okay, understood. Of... Where are they? Okay. I'm here now. Yeah, out of context, it doesn't quite make sense as I'm sitting here <laughs> the reading The fellow jo Georgia boy must be listening to this podcast. That too, yes. <laughs> anyway, he appeared in a slew of Westerns on both the big and small screen, as well as notable classics like From Here to Eternity, The Cane Mutiny, Rio Bravo, and Inherit the Wind. But he is burned into Homer Simpson's mind, and maybe yours, because he was Sheriff Lobo in television's BJ and the Bear. 
Mrs. Brand was played by Ann Barton. The Brands must have met on the prairie as Barton also made those 50s and 60s Western rounds. She also appeared in two episodes of Leave it to Beaver as Eddie Haskell's rarely seen mother. Although oh. I, I didn't see much of Leave it to Beaver. So what can I say? Nor did I. That was not that was definitely not. I like watched a lot of Nick at Night, but I miss I Leave it to Beaver was too slow. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's probably the case, especially when it's in like a two hour block of them on, you know, <laughs> Nick or something. It all looks like it's the same episode. I don't know what's going on. And it's a little too glib. So, yeah, I'm sure people love it. Good for them. Barry Atwater plays Les Goodman and was a notable character actor from the 50s to the 70s. Uh, notable for us geeks is his appearance on TOS Star Trek as Surak, the father of Vulcan philosophy in the episode The Savage Curtain. He also had some notable stints on Perry Mason and General Hospital. Wow. Jeff. Jack Weston took on the role of Charlie Farnsworth. I'm going to take a wild stab and draw the line to Professor Farnsworth and Futurama. Sure. West, yeah. Weston himself was generally a comedic actor, though he dipped his toe into drama here and there, you know, like here. His work, was, <laughs> his work was strong enough to garner Golden Globe and Tony nominations, but it's his late career appearances in Rad, Dirty Dancing, and Ishtar that caught my attention. That's <laughs> fair. I've seen Ishtar. It's it's not a bad movie. It's just a maligned movie. <laughs> maligned is a perfect way to put that. I like, and also you're entitled to your opinion, you know. Yeah, really. Uh, last but not least, uh, Tommy was a demon from hell. Tommy. Yeah. Uh, there there was no information I could find on that actor, but uh, yeah. I I imagine that actor didn't work again. It wasn't like he. It wasn't like a, a breakout role for him. No, but uh, yeah, I, I, I betrayed my um, let's kill Tommy is, I guess, my part of the, t the mob scene, but <laughs> fair. Okay, uh, Jessica, I just brought up the prologue. If you can give us your read of this one. Yeah, let's see. Okay. Maple Street, USA, late summer, a tree lined little world front. Wait, a tree lined little world of front porch gliders, barbecues, the laughter of children and the bell of an ice cream vendor. At the sound of the roar and the flash of light, it will be precisely 6.43 p.m. on Maple Street. This is Maple Street on a late Saturday afternoon. Maple Street is the last, Maple Street in the last calm and reflective moment before the monsters came. Monsters. Monsters came. All right. Okay, there we go. Got back to the screen. So yeah, I, this is one where I, I've definitely seen him a few times. This is the first one there, the second one they show on a Twilight Zone marathon, I suppose. Um, yes, I think I watched it the first. I think the first time I watched it was like in school. <laughs> you know, like we're just gonna watch TV today, and they they showed this episode for or something like that. Yeah, so um, it it is quite a good one, and not one of the I guess most fun ones but sometimes the twilight zone is, is not supposed to be fun because the true monster is man man <laughs> um but i am trying to think of real life situations where i might have been in a case where something like this could have happened i mean i think we've all been like you know weird natural disasters i maybe when everyone started staying at home in 2020 people a few people might have like flirted with this mindset <laughs> You know what? That's actually a perfect illusion because uh, when Rod Serling um, ra wraps it up at the end, which not, not to jump ahead, but basically said that this kind of behavior 
isn't isn't um, just relegated to the Twilight Zone. And most people know this episode, but just like to give you uh, a quick refresh, a light of you know flash of light streaks across the sky, all of the electronics go dead, and people start pointing the fingers as to who might be like the cause of it, who might be a monster, based off of conjecture completely, right? Like one kid has an idea of what it's what it is. And so they start looking for the mole in the society, essentially. It's like every reality TV show ever. Yeah. Um I remember maybe it was two months ago, Facebook went out for like a whole day or something. <sighs> don't it, that day was hard. No okay. I don't, <laughs> people no, didn't me. couldn't Instagram. They didn't know what to do. Yeah, for me though, I was kind of like, oh, free at last, yes. <laughs> it's amazing when you take a, an objective look at how how much you look at your phone, how much. Yeah, it's. I, I find it interesting too. So if that was what, when was the shot? The sixties, late sixties. Uh, probably late fifty nine or nineteen sixty. Was got it? it yeah. Big. So we're in a, a rev, industrial world, like what 40 years into the fact like like people were used to having power consistently about 40 years up until this point is that right that's about right so it's interesting how quickly we adapt to that as our as our norm and then to not have it our whole way of life is completely shot you know and what would we do if like our 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 all of our cell phones just never worked again i mean we'd figure it out but it would be a little bit of pandemonium for sure yeah, there'd be a shock to the system. Something I noticed here, though, is it probably took a good hour before all of these people realized that something was amiss. You know, the sun had to start to go down and, hey, my light's not turning on. Hey, the gas isn't working when I'm trying to work my stove. It, it took them an hour where, you know, now it would take us five seconds because we'd pick up our phone and there'd be nothing there. People would be already in the street ripping their hair out. Yeah, to you're right. It wouldn't have. They it's like, like electronics are integrated into their life, but no one was actively doing everything at that point. Or or they thought if their phone was down, other people's weren't yet. So you're right. And because it was late, late in the summer, it's late, it, you know, it's bright outside because it gets, you know, it's dark right now because it's winter in California. So they, they had a, like they had a couple hours. They definitely did for sure. Yeah, um, there was uh, I was here. I was in Japan for the 2011 quake and oh wow yeah the phone systems were pretty much whacked out for a good day or two because i was working um uh the kanto plane if you got your pokemon areas right oh okay okay <laughs> I, I, i'm not an avid player anymore so i don't know okay. that reference i know that i know they got the regions i'm up in the mountains now but i was working in basically in the plane my family's in the mountains and the, the mountains didn't get shaken so much so um but i, think I, I got normal right like the like because they're already being been formed by tectonic plates i think if i remember cosmos well enough that's that doesn't that makes sense unless the epicenter is here we do get them but n not like that fukushima or well, the fukushima is a plant but that the 2011 quake um, oh that's right yeah no, I, I think I got a nice full blast of radiation a day or two after that. My, my boss was like, here, put this towel over your head when you go home. <laughs> Whoa. So, that, there's, so there's a lawsuit there waiting to happen. I was, um, it, it was just the anniversary of it, but I was in uh, Chatsworth, which is adjacent to Northridge in the San Fernando Valley during the 94 earthquake. And we too had no phones. Like, you know, I think the rotary phones didn't even work at the time or something like just couldn't get 
a hold of anybody. We didn't have power. We didn't have running water. Then FEMA came and it was a whole, the whole ordeal for a couple of days for sure. Yeah. Although the 2011 quake, um, when it was like, it was like the earthquake ride in my classroom. That was exciting. But, um, this is almost horrible besides wanting to get in touch with my family. The thing I was most concerned about was, um, going to going back to my apartment to see if my guitars had fell over because they were leaning against the wall. It was like, I don't want to, I don't want my nice Gibson guitar to break. <laughs> I think that that's reasonable. I think those were the most important thing to you at the time. That's a reasonable fear. I totally get it. Yeah. So, but yeah, I want to check. Hey, is all the instruments are are they fine? They're they're um, they're they're very fragile. I think that that's a very reasonable reaction. My other weird thing, um, you know, the power is out. I was watching on my laptop battery, but uh, my mm. friend and I, we were just we were sitting around watching the uh, space battleship Yamato anime. Oh, I have not. I'm off. not familiar with that. How fun. There's an, anyway, they're um they have the space alarm in the uh, on their battleship. It's like, bloop, bloop. And we were watching and we start hearing again. And it turns out whenever there was an aftershock, the elementary schools were playing the same alarm. So it got really confusing. <laughs> Weird. How unusual. Yeah. What, how, very disorienting. There's nothing, there's nothing like people in a crisis. I think especially, you know, the studies prove otherwise that when, um, I assumed when, especially like the pandemic was happening, I was going to, people were going to freak out about not having enough supplies because everyone was buying up toilet paper, milk and bread. And there was nothing when everyone had like the whispers of lockdown and that kind of panic made me nervous for how other people were going to behave. You know, there were lines outside of gun stores and, and, and that is enough to bring someone else to panic when you start thinking about someone else that's insane running around with the gun but then you start thinking well i could use a gun you know so this kind of like trickle down effect of pandemonium and panic um made me nervous but there was a study around i think the cold war war to see how societies act in crisis mode and we actually tend to get we galvanize more than we catastrophize so we reach out to help people we um, offer goods if we have them people tend to band together we just don't think they do because it's not interesting in tv and film to show it otherwise yeah i guess the uh the wrench in this particular wheel or whatever would be the fact that in a lot of these situations, we know there's just been an earthquake. We we know that there's a, a virus running around where the people on Maple Street have no clue what the disaster even is. That's a the very fair, uh, you know, and you do have the, the aliens that are like playing them like little monkeys, like, oh, I'll turn on Tommy's house and I'll turn on Charlie's house or whatever. So, there, it, you know, it was you're right that like the unknown element, like they never even they never even left the, the 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 other that 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 street. So uh, I have a question for you, Pete Van Van Wood, or who's the guy that they shot? What's his name? Uh, I think the Van something. Yeah, I wrote it down somewhere here. The older guy, you know, the hammer, very ominous. He goes across over to Floral Street or whatever to see if they have power. He what took him so long? <laughs> why? What was he doing over there? If he went one street over, why did it take him three hours to get back? What do you think was happening over there? Milk and cookies, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Pete Van Horn. There we go. <laughs> I have a I have a theory that the um, aliens held him hostage for a second, like like froze him in time or something like like or like they made it so he couldn't come back. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, I I know a lot. Some of the the abductee stories they talk about like time leaps and things like that. So yeah, we have no idea what like because if he's just going the street over to see what's going on, then he should be back very shortly thereafter. Um, it's not a, it's not like a it's not a mistake in the in the um, I'm not saying like I can't believe they screwed that up. Not that not at all. It's more like it's interesting that they made it three hours after the fact or so yeah that is a good point yeah because i guess they've all been sitting on their car hoods with shotguns for a few hours by that point well no they had just gotten <laughs> shotgun within moments of having a shotgun someone is shot and killed and that is a perfect american american allegory for sure yeah that, that is like if we didn't learn anything in the 60s from that we and we didn't it, it, within moments they shoot that that person and again, that's that's Tommy, you know, freaking out. Um, their first what thirty seconds of conversation once the 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 light flash hits is relatively um, well considered. It it just takes Tommy to start screaming at them about you know uh, setting the seeds of uh, dissent or whatever. Well, the worst part is, is like he's half correct. So yeah. like he's correct that the, something has crash landed and trying to screw them over. You know, so his instincts are right on um i what i think it's interesting about this episode you're right that it's like so well known at this point and iconic just like the you know the face like the masked uh nurses and you see or like you know there's so many couple of twilight zone episodes that you just think of immediately when you think of the show and maple street is one of them but when you watch this episode for the first time you are also convinced that someone is an alien yeah <laughs> or or you're like skeptical too and so that goes to show our own culpability or um like we want to trust people and we want to find the answers so like we we don't we don't know it's that they're being manipulated you know or not being or, or they're manipulating themselves we are like also trying to suss out who it is you know i guess to a certain extent like you said people galvanize during disasters but they flip out during a witch hunt <laughs> that is well god so that's you're so right that's probably the better way to look at it the, the witch hunt of it all because they were like gonna band together and solve the problem and charlie and les were gonna go together you know like those are buds to some extent and charlie flips on a dime um the second he gets hurt he knows quote unquote who it is he knows he doesn't know but he's so you know, survival of the, like, he's, he's so frightened that he was willing to save his own life and lose someone else's life. It's fascinating. It's fascinating human study. Yeah. I'm sort of wondering, like, who is the person we're going to identify with in this one? You know, you don't uh, think, oh, I see. Mm. Well, I mean, we want to identify, we, we want to identify with less, right? We want to, we wish we did. Right. And um, what is that? I'm mixing up the names a little bit. Okay, Brand is is our is is Sheriff Lobo. Okay, so he's he's kind of skeptical, like he's trying to keep his head level. Less is relatively convincing and level-headed till they start flipping his car on and off. So oh, that's less. Okay, I'm yeah, I'm confused. So Brand is the guy that that's like our main dude. Okay, um, I'm someone who stares at stars a lot at night, usually walking, not standing there, but uh. <laughs> Which is weird. <laughs> I'm sure it's weird. And also, what is Brand's wife doing? Like, why is she talking about his radio? Like, she she loses it too. And he like, I find it funny that he's like, "Honey, chill out. 
come on, get, get with it. You know, we, like he just can't get, to, he doesn't like attempt to get to reason with her. It's very interesting. But you do start thinking of, gee, what, what weird description would I get? You know, he, he's got eight guitars in his room and walks around in rice fields at midnight. I, I guess that's my, my thing. <laughs> I scream playing video games. My upstairs neighbor must think I'm insane. You know, <laughs> like, like yeah, I'm in a creative part of the country so you can mostly infer that whoever you're living next to is probably doing something but i'm like gosh darn it f, 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 the entire time i'm playing the game so it, well into midnight so i'm sure it's unnerving anyone would if if i lived above me i'd be like that lady is crazy <laughs> uh i i got myself in a thick of it yesterday I was i'm um, trying to uh, wipe a old an old iphone we need to send back and it was um Send me through some loop of Apple passwords and like, okay, you want to change your password? Give me your password. So um, uh, eventually I started screaming obscenities at him. My wife said, yeah, yeah. Hannah, my daughter was like, what did you just say? He didn't say anything. <laughs> you gaslit her? <laughs> no, no. My wife gaslit her. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Okay. But that you, you are colluding at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was screaming obscenities. I think I only let one like really rock when that is when I was. That's when it said, do you want to change your password? Yes. And I was like, what is your password? I'm like, ah! <laughs> the first time, it's that and Microsoft are the two <laughs> most frustrating, uh, and probably for the for the right reasons, to, to like recover a password. It's the, the two most frustrating uh, IPs out there. Yeah, that's why I'm talking to you now. I'm still rocking a 12-year-old laptop that runs Windows 7. <laughs> I mean, if it works, it works. That's the whole point. I have. A, I actually just got a new computer, and I, I can't be bothered. I got. I got this one jury rigged for sound, just how I like it. <laughs> well, yeah. Why would you? I get it. I get it. Sometimes just the convenience of how it works and how it's set up. It, why would you in, improve upon it? That's so right. funny. When it gets warmer, it'll, it'll start getting slow, and then I'll definitely switch to a new one. But <laughs> so but it's, it's I, I. Yeah, you're right. I. So this is the first time I've had a PC because of the pandemic. I had a PC in order to play video games on Twitch because you need. Hype. Like I was trying to do it on my MacBook and it just can't handle it. And there's also some games you can't play on Mac. Uh, but yes, during the summer days, this is it, overheating is a thing for sure. That I, I, that I remember from the days of old. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, where, where was I getting? Oh, lesson is weird habits. I just, uh, I guess that was my point of identification because. Ah. It's kind of like 50s television. You're supposed to identify with the, uh, you know, upstanding white bread family man and here they're making a thing like oh he's got weird habits everyone's got weird habits you know which it's true but that's what makes people interesting as long as a weird habit isn't you know something horrible and nine times out of ten we don't know until it's too late if they have a horrible <laughs> habit you know yeah yeah and, and then he was like, so fine up until this point you know and there's there's immoral horrible habits and just disgusting ones i guess so you know <laughs> Yeah, my my philosophy in life is uh, be happy and don't hurt other people. As long as one can do that, I think you've I've done a pretty good job in life. I did find um, it amusing when everyone is taking out in their front lawns that it's all uh, milk and cola, and I'm like, yeah, right, 1950s television. This is beer or scotch swilling time, scotch and well, cokes. Because <laughs> Charlie starts slurring, right? So like, it, it, he he is behaving belligerently a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, they spiked the milk and you know put some well, Baileys in there. <laughs> I think they. I think we are to infer that these people are drinking. He's drinking a soda bottle. He's drinking. You know. I think we're to infer. At least he definitely layered in drunk with 
a suspicion. Right. And I, I felt he kind of turned in like a, a proto Alex Jones. That was kind of fun. <laughs> so what I love about that actor in this setting, he you could drop him into any TV show today and and perfectly cast him. He's he's a, it's a really timeless. His his performance is very timeless, but his um, uh, the word I'm looking for is prototype, not prototype, but like whatever that Ar- maybe archetype archetype, ar- archetype um, could be dropped into any TV show, any film right now. You know, we we and he and that same actor would kill it. He's got a very contemporary yet 1950s thing about him. It's very I I remember noting that when I watched the episode the first time. Yeah, I sort of fell off the MCU wagon after Endgame. You know, I was like, Endgame, that's the end, right? But I did I did watch the WandaVision where they kind of, you know, like to rock these sort of archetype roles and different time periods. And and I, I really like that. Um, it was delightful. Know, yeah, totally. I, I'm one of the folks where I, I've heard some people say, well, it's just really weird at first. And then finally it gets itself together where I'm like, it was awesome at first. And then it just turned into Marvel stuff. Yeah, I mean, it was perfect at first. Like the first... It was perfect. Anyway, everyone's entitled to their opinion. Uh, there's there's um, a thing with acting, too, because that's like my main career. Some people look contemporary and some people look like they're made for Downton Abbey. You know, so like you can you can drop them into the prairie, but you can't drop them into New York. So uh, everyone has some of some people have classic looks. Some people have modern looks. Some people can, you know, toe the line on both. But but if you know that, like, I don't I don't really work past 1940s because i can do 1940s maybe 19 not 1950s not 1960s or but i can do 70s and up so i do i do do the you know victory curls pretty well yeah there we go i was also sometimes i think like people's faces are just built for like a certain decade of their life i guess that's what i mean like you can you can plot me into the 70s really easily you know yeah well i mean also just like um you know like oh this person like was that their not necessarily prime, but just like mm. they looked just right when they're in their twenties or in their forties, or you know, there's I have I teach kids, I have like three year olds. I'm like, you're destined to be a little old man. <laughs> you're three years old, but you're I, you've got an old man face already. <laughs> like that's an old soul, or who knows? Yeah, it's it is interesting. Like what we what our exterior projects about our our interior. Um. Before I get to my more specific questions, I suppose we do have to talk about the aliens a little bit. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh I, I just ran across the fun fact that the uh the ship, when they're getting on the ship, I was like, we just did third from the sun. And I'm like, it looks like the same ramp. But it turns mm. out that is the, the uh forbidden planet ship. And at the end, it the shot of the the saucer is the forbidden planet ship uh flipped on over and, and the film is running backwards. No way. <laughs> yeah so that's really clever i thought i was clever because i was like third from the sun i'm like oh i recognize it but it's from somewhere else so i'm like i, I was only half clever in that case <laughs> you susp- you had a suspicion okay charlie so you i think you should give yourself a break yeah yeah really um one other thing that i was just thinking about is you know japan i live in japan size different I don't I don't know what they do in this kind of situation. They probably just start having tea and see what happens for a few hours. <laughs> Again, there I was would no, wonder. Yeah, there was no rioting during those um, earthquakes or anything. So people just kind of like well, galvanized, like you said. But um, there is a saying in Japan that translates to it's kind of a horrible one for uh, the Western mind. <laughs> the nail that sticks up gets hammered down. Oof. So like schools, you think about 
you know, Japanese schools being quite strict. And one of the reasons is like, no, no one's supposed to stick out, of course, not in a class clown disruptive way, but no one is supposed to betray their that smart either. Wow. Because that, that sticks out if you are, seem to be ultra smart. So, you know, even really sharp people might like try to not come across as that sharp. Right. Totally. Uh, that, it sounds like an agreed upon way to, to be in that society. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it's like kind of the so the unwritten social contract. So yeah, sure. Huh. On the plus, that's why Japanese can have like weird interests and nobody really cares. Like uh, people are obsessed with like trains, not steam engines, just like regular commuter trains. <laughs> it's like a giant hobby. It's, which it's also because there's a the speed train is out there too, right? Like is that part yeah, of yeah. It? Yeah, the bullet train, the Shinkansen. But um, yeah. I, I'm on a I'm on a local commuter rail, and there's always people taking pictures of my trains. Probably because it's not the national service; it's it's like a local service. But I'm just like, I'm just going to work, man. <laughs> How fascinating! I think there, if I can glean anything from that, the Japanese culture likes Japanese culture very much. <laughs> yeah, that and K-pop. <laughs> mm, mm. That's uh, I found many. They're not kids. alone. This country is, has been bitten by the K-pop. We still have Tower Records here, and up until about a year ago, Do it was you still really. Yeah, it was still great to go to. I just went to one yesterday, but um, they've reduced their pop, rock, rap, all that to almost like an old Kmart selection. And then, like this giant part of the store is like for five K-pop acts now, and it's kind of depressing. Well, but that's how music evolves, right? Like, so yes. when Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake show up, Tower Records that was nirvana and stuff like that and radiohead it's gonna flip over because that's what's selling you know right no no the the sad thing here is they reduced the floor space by 80 percent, and 80 percent is now like 5k pop packs i understand so it's not even the same size of the store right they've got they've it reappropriate a large part but you know whatever i mean not many of us get cds anymore so that's um, fair yeah no when i got my uh cds stolen i gave up collecting them so yeah for me it's like you know usually it's like jazz classical or like 70s funk or something because that stuff's harder to find online so <laughs> yeah uh i'm sure like our amoeba out here has stuff like that but I'm, i can imagine that having a very niche audience out there for sure but again that's because there's a lot of um you know there's like the a bunch of dudes in japan their 60s now that are just like still super into like you know, 70s hard rock and, and, and the Beatles and stuff. I mean, I got a copy of Lennon's guitar. Here. I love Beatles my own myself, but uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I think I would think you're crazy if you didn't. I, I feel like anybody that doesn't like the Beatles are just contrarian to be contrarian. Um, but the but kids yeah, don't know anymore. It's weird. They do. They do. No, I'm talking about in Japan. <laughs> Okay, so I can't speak I, to that. No, I started teaching here in 2004. And I, uh, you know, kids then still, they seem to know a lot about Western music and movies, whereas my students now really don't. So Japan huh. has refocused on itself in a lot of ways. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. It's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just, no, it's yeah, it happens. So it's interesting <laughs> to me. That's interesting. Yeah. So um, I guess that's the one thing living, living here, like people might judge each other the same way they do here because that's that's the bad side of human nature but uh mm. that all out riot at the end is um i mean it's actually pretty tame here compared to you know what we've seen in the past 20 30 years but 50 even <laughs> it's yeah. yeah it's definitely no riot after the lakers win a three-peat but uh i mean like it is horrifying to think that those people just killed them 
killed each other. It's horrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess after they've already taken one out, the rest are going out. So, yeah, um, I mean, you're hearing gunshots left and right, and someone picks up the hammer, hammer off a of Pete's body. It's it's pretty much insinuated that these people are all going to be dead the next day. Yeah, too bad they don't. They didn't do a end credit, you know, sequences these days. They could show us the next morning after the <gasps> credits roll, <laughs> where everyone like the bodies are just. Yeah, that would be fast. I, that's what I love about older TV shows too, is that they have to be really um, economical with the shots and stuff like that. They're not, they're not doing a million takes or like they, they, they probably have like two artistic shots, but everything else is pretty normal, you know? Um, so you can, I really love the economy of what they decide to shoot and how they shoot it. Cause they're using film, you know, you can't just keep the tape rolling. Uh, so they have to tell their story without showing us that the car's turning on, we hear it or whatever. Uh, I always love just learning like what was important to the, the director to show. Yeah. Cause these, these shows they, for the time they had a decent budget, but t- television budgets were way below film budgets at that point in time. Now they're but, but even using, almost equal, but even using film regardless, it's not a, it's not like a replenishable tool like you you can only shoot so much of that so you have to be um smart in in how you decide to use it you're right like they could just order another reel but that is expensive yeah well that, that this was a you know crack crew like they could barely go in and do it like a scalpel probably sure a lot that's true. a lot smaller than a modern hollywood crew and you know less regulations and in some cases you probably need the regulations because uh i i i'm guessing there's fewer stunt you know, actor injuries these days, I'd like to think. <laughs> Sadly, no, but uh, there's, it's like, there's a whole expose about stuff like that. Um, but but yes, more laws are in place and more things are supposed to be better, you know, uh, yeah. because of accidents that have happened. And at, being around a bunch of humans that are responsible for other humans, there's always going to be a problem and there's going to be a new law. But uh I mean, let's not think about let's talk not talk about like the thing that happened on Alec Baldwin's movie. You know what I mean? That shouldn't have happened. There were rules in place for that to not have happened. Uh, and then it, it was like the worst case scenario. So, yeah, that did kind of flash my head right as I was saying, I was like, what? wait. So, And there's things that we don't know about. Like there was a um, there was a woman who is now I want to say she's wheelchair bound because they changed the stunt on her that day and still uh it was like a motorcycle car stunt and they i, th- I think you're talking about back to the future 2 where they're having the hoverboards go into the into no the but i know about that too yeah, okay. that woman hurt herself very badly right yes um no this was this was not very long ago but the short version of the story is it was also raining that day they changed the timing by like a second and it was it was enough to like literally destroy her career and her life Right. So crews out the there, be careful. being an issue, you know. Right. Um, I'll, I'll bring it back to the episode with a few questions I like to ask at the end of these things. Great, um, let's do it. Some of them seem obvious, but then I get answers that aren't obvious. So let's see where it goes. In this episode, who traveled through the Twilight Zone? Oh, so I think I think Brandon. Okay, so you're giving him like point into the Twilight Zone. Like, uh, so, I think he's because he's this is where he, this is the guy who's like the most level headed, like, come on now, right? Like the main guy, essentially trying to bring logic to everyone and failing because, well, he there's no way he could succeed, really. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't. It was beyond him. But I think he's the one who 
was spinning out in the world. Like the world was just spinning around him. Right. Then we got someone like Charlie, though, who, you know, metamorphosizes into a drunk Alex Jones. So right, is, right. Is, is, is that going into Twilight Zone or is that just making an, an arse of yourself? <laughs> I, I, I think that I would more expect a human to behave that way. So, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good um, question, though. That's a good question. And then less, he's reason reasonably level headed. I mean, he could be as level headed as um as Bran, but you know, he's gets instantly accused. He gets instantly on the defensive. And he's even really calm considering. Yeah. Like he's way more patient with those people than than he even had to be with them just immediately pointing the finger at him. So um you know, it's it's very possible that the entire town just got dropped into the Twilight Zone. It's probably more likely, you know. Um, but because you're right, Les is Les is not such a bad guy for sure. Yeah. So um, I guess you could take the next question as just brand, or if we want to say the entire street took a voyage, and you can uh, take it that way too. But did Brand or the people of Maple Street? deserve their trip into the twilight zone whoa it's a good question i don't think branded no i mean you know all these people like they say we're just having a nice normal american day in 1959 or whatever right right uh <laughs> but then they're living their life like that you know and, and you know i mean 90 percent of the world was not living that nice so and even now, you and I are living a much nicer existence at the moment than a fair amount of other people are. That's a very, very fair point. Um, that So that you're talking about, in reality, like a lot of privilege. Those people had a lot of privilege and then abused that privilege right. in a sense. Or took um, it for granted. Well, yeah. Yes. Um, and it's not easy to be the person that's trying to stand up in the face of like insanity and stand up for the right thing even charlie speaking up and being like well it could have been hit like to totally um taking a stance that's hard too even though he's insane um i don't know it's i don't know that anyone deserved it but it it's more like oh they've been plopped in this let's see what the experiment let, let's see what this simulation brings us you know yeah i guess it really isn't an, an experiment in this case so yeah, um, yeah. There, it's like do the lab rats deserve it yeah, to that's a good, that's a really good way to look at it. Totally. Although I, I feel like a lot of us would probably say the lab rats do not deserve it, but you no, know, they I don't deserve I, it. I've never been in a lab, so I, I can't, you know, I'm just judging from my own, like, gee, we shouldn't hurt things, but yeah, I'm a vegan. So it's hard. It's hard to think about that stuff. Animal testing, while I understand uh, it does help us make scientific advancements, it's, it's also pretty brutal. So Although just uh, to speak for the validity of art as a messenger, um, I first learned about animal testing in the late 80s reading um, the Bloom County comic strip. Oh. <laughs> and they had a thing where it's, I think it's Opus the Penguin goes to like save his mother from the Mary Kay Cosmetics uh, factory or something. So sweet. But uh, I... yeah. It... No, go ahead. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, like I, I, these car trips, uh, I, I'm from Atlanta and my uh, relatives were in Delaware. So we go on these 15 hour car trips and I just be in the back of the car ring Bloom County or X-Men or something the entire time. How funny. Yeah, we you're right. Uh, art does expose us to what's going on in the world, because how else are we going to get all that information? You know, it's interesting, or at least a perspective. Right. 
Yeah. So when you think about when you first learned about issues, sometimes when you really, if you can pinpoint where you first heard of it, it's like, oh, that's totally weird. <laughs> right? Or like the first time you heard a joke, it was in, and it's been regurgitated since. It's like, oh my God, I came from that show or whatever. Like an observation um, then becomes your opinion or your perspective. It's fascinating how art does that. We were just, uh, I was talking with one of my podcasting buddies, who's also my coworker, but um, there was a kid on the floor starting to he, he was he pulled out like something sharp like and we we're like is he going to start playing the knife game and after he told him to put that away um, yeah wow. the hand, handy knife game and we were like where where was that first in media uh he was like where, oh a, who saw pirates. that wow that's a good question because we think of aliens but uh, there's movies in the 70s where people were doing that as well i, I think it was because we saw it in dark star you know john carpenter's uh dark star from the early 70s somebody's doing the knife game in there so we're like, Got where it, did yeah. That, where this did that good first show up? It's a good trivia question, and now I, I need to know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, a few weeks ago, we did uh, the Four of Us Are Dying Twilight Zone episode where it's a changeling, and as the changeling expires, it shows each face he took on, and we're like, oh, there's so many things since uh, then have done that, like uh, Detective Pikachu and the X-Men have, have all kind of recreated that scene, and we're like, maybe this is the first time they did it. I That would totally track, you know, uh, that that's what's really awesome about at least you know getting to do this podcast and I appreciate you asking me on and getting to watch this show again or you know for in order to do this it's a very uh, high quality storytelling vehicle and and that's we really it you can see how much it's impacted our our society today that kind of quality of storytelling and imagination. Yeah, I mean, honestly, my uh, my starting this podcast was I had gotten a Blu-ray set and I was like, I need to watch all of these. And, mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I don't actually watch that much video. So I'm like, I need to make myself an excuse to watch all of these. And that's now smart. we're podcasting. That's so smart. here we are. And uh, here we are today. That's everything starts with an idea. And then you make it happen. That's awesome. Exactly. Um, sometimes when I'm going to sleep uh, for the future. I'll run out of Twilight Zones. I got the, the Ray Bradbury Theater and Tales from the Dark Side stuff like that the thing is i watch them late at night and i tend to fall asleep before the end so i wake up the next morning what was the twist i just watched like 20 minutes of weirdness and it never resolved <laughs> i wish i could be like you i i mean actually maybe i don't but i cannot fall asleep while the tv's on so uh very rarely do i miss what's going on i'm usually turning it off right before i fall asleep so no i'm real bad at passing out while watching stuff <laughs> no i think that's good if that's like a way to go to sleep don't begrudge that you know yeah true but um my last question, uh, I used to write like psychedelic record reviews and I, I do quality and I don't want to do the Twilight. Ugh, I don't want to do the Twilight Zone for quality. I mean, even when it's bad, it's usually pretty good. So yeah, totally. I use my other scale, which is the uh, tripometer. How trippy was this episode? Zero being not trippy at all. Five being extremely trippy. I'll take decimals and invented yeah. numbers as well. Fair. I'm going to say zero. It's not a trippy episode. Okay. It's super grounded. <laughs> Uh, like the only thing is like, oh, there's aliens, you know, but it's They're even that is on. not, yeah, it, but yeah, totally. This is an episode. This is, this is the reason why it's so iconic is because take any scenario, drop people into it, no matter what's the cause of it, you can see people behaving this way. So that's not that trippy to me. Yeah. Maybe it's me coming from the dirtiest South or whatever, but, um, I, I would put on the, the phrase that these people are tripping. So <laughs> they're tripping. That's different than okay. this is a trip. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. Then this is the trypanometer. I was going to give it a three on that, but uh, for that those, reason, those people are out of their minds for sure. <laughs> You're that's, but that's a different. Like the episode itself, not tripping. Yeah. Well, that that's the whole point of the the question, though. Like, what what do different people consider to be trippy or not? So sure, totally. I love that question. So you know, be be proud. That's the first zero I've gotten because I think most people are like, "What's the Twilight Zone?" It has to be a little bit trippy, doesn't it? <laughs> but you got a good point. It's very grounded. So maybe maybe that zero is uh, you know informs. In my well. humble opinion, it's a zero. No, no, that's great. So yeah. as I like I said, these questions, I'm always like, are these two like obvious? And they never are. So that's why I keep using them. <laughs> well, that's what I was gonna say too. Like it's still nice to have a format so that you can because you're right, everyone's gonna give a different answer, even though you feel like you've done this over and over again. I've never heard this, so it's exciting. It's it, you're basically giving us something to jump off of, and that's awesome. Yeah, and I I often just find like well, of course, I've got this answer and it's obvious, isn't it? And, oh, no, it's not obvious. The the guest has a different answer. So totally, totally. So that's that's the fun about it. Um, I guess we'll be wrapping up here today unless you have any other major points on this episode. I really don't think so. I think uh, I think you covered some awesome things. You made me think about it, too. Um, I'm grateful that I got to rewatch this episode because I remember it very well. Um, even though I watched it years and years ago. So it was kind of nice to revisit it. Yeah. Well, I've, I've been listening to your podcast and I was like, oh, yeah, those Orville episodes have some deep stuff in them. I'm like, I hope I can get up to bat enough for this. So, well, it's it's a it's a 30 minute show as opposed to a 45 minute show where we got to find the messages, morals and meanings of of an Orville episode. Um, you can also you can extrapolate things that aren't there, too, if you really try very hard. And um, sorry, I was actually uh, opening the the plug window for you there. So oh. do you want to tell people where it's at? <laughs> yeah, sure. So I, uh, like you mentioned at the top of the podcast, I am a co-host along with Mike Richards for Roddenberry Entertainment. We um, do Mission Log, The Orville, and we're going episode by episode with Seth MacFarlane's The Orville. Um, and we're leading up to the newest season that's going to drop in March. And we'll be also covering those episodes. Um, so yeah, if you it's available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Roddenberry does amazing podcasts. I'm also part of their Sci-Fi Five, so I'll do like a weekly five-minute science fiction history for this day. Um, and there's a lot of great voiceover act, uh, voiceover people doing that weekly. And then you know they they talk about every episode. They're doing Star Trek Prod Prodigy, and as, if you are a Star Trek fan. There's going to be Picard. There's going to be Strange New Worlds. There's gonna, there's a whole new slew of things that Roddenberry is really excited to cover. Yeah, for me, it's like basically I watch things that I need to podcast about, and the rest of the time I'm watching Trek stuff. So <laughs> I can't blame you. I can't. I can't blame you. Yeah, or or something completely bizarre on YouTube. But <laughs> we all fall. We all fall down that rabbit hole for sure. Yeah, my my recent addiction there has been the um the Metal Ball Studios thing where they'll just show like the size of like cities or, or fictional spaceships and put them all next to each other. So it's so cool when you kind of get the idea of scale with that yeah, stuff. Like, yeah. Wow, the Enterprise D really is that much bigger than the old school Enterprise. <laughs> I'm usually amazed that like those episodes, those uh, videos are like 20 minutes long. It's wild. It's wild. Yeah. That, that's been my most recent rabbit hole, the size of fictional things Very and cool. some, some real things as well. Um, Very cool. As for this podcast, it's Time Enough Podcast. Uh, it's Time Enough Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Um, I finally, after a month, ended up on Apple Podcast. But 
if you're listening to this, I guess you know where it is, but I found you can't search Time Enough Podcast in Apple. You have to search my name, which is Matt Comages, C-O-M-E-G-Y-S, C-O-M-E-G-Y-S, yes. <laughs> Sounds like you got to get a, get a hold of something or look at your, your feed for some reason. Maybe I just need to get some more listeners. So <laughs> or <laughs> that too. Them. Yeah. So, so yeah, share with your friends. Um, we're under a Patreon umbrella of Podcastio, Podcastius, where there are other podcasts, including um, the sci-fi one I do with my friend Luke, Matt and Luke Sci-Fi Sanctuary, different sci-fi film every week. Uh, he does some on Pokemon and Monster Hunter for the gamers that may have their ears out. So, <laughs> um, my, my ears just perked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's Luke loves Pokemon, so he could covers a different character every week and monster hunter is him and a couple of guys from scotland i guess uh yelling obscenities at each other which makes a lot of sense gaming well, he tells gaming me. brings out the best in us yeah well i don't i don't play monster hunter so i don't listen to that one but then he's like oh there's a new outtake episode you have to listen to that because we only even talk about monster hunter and that so so it's a it's just, special special ep <laughs> then it's just absurdities that's right i love it i love it <laughs> well matthew thank you so much for having me this was delightful Thank you for joining. I guess we both need to get out on our front porches now and uh, to see what's up with the neighbors. Uh, aliens. <laughs> I, I am an alien. I'm a, yeah, technically. Yeah, we all are a little bit. <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a citizen in Japan. Well, that so I understand. I'm an too. alien. I have well, an no, alien card. A, but I'm an actual alien. So better you know that now. Oh, right, right, right. No, I, I have a card. This is alien card. So that's kind of cool. Oh, very cool. <laughs> Bowser through the fight and rain and pointing towards the sky I will tell you everything but it's never quite the time In all the pictures, they look the same In the castle of illusion there's nothing more to gain In the castle of illusion there's nothing more to gain There's a marble smokestack that is spitting out sunshine and it catches my intention every second of the time Through all the flashes, oh you may find There's a castle of illusion that's blowing out your mind Dig, there's a castle of illusion that's blowing out your mind Blowing out your mind Woo! What do you hear boys? Nothing but the rain, nothing but the rain, yeah! Tuesdays in panic, plastic people on the streets With the tattooed grins displayed week after week And all the smiles, they look the same In the castle of illusion, there's nothing more to gain Blow it out your mind Blow it out your mind